If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi there, this is Manu Bennett. Tune into Don't Go Out There. I'll say it again. Don't Go Out There. Horror Movie Review Podcast. And if these pictures have anything important to say to future generations, it's this. I was here. I existed. I was young. I was happy and someone cared enough about me in this world to take my picture. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast, powered by the Roll Up Network. I uh, just want to thank all our fans and listeners. I really appreciate all the support. Uh, past few months of episodes have been blowing up. We've been they've been doing great. Just want to thank all of the continued support. You guys are awesome. Uh, before we jump into tonight's film, we just want to give a quick shout-out to our website, don'tgooutthere.com. Uh, everything with this podcast is on there our interviews our episodes uh our store our blog all the good stuff is on there brian's beautiful face is on there love to see that we got all of our social media links facebook twitter instagram youtube tiktok you know we're on all of it give us a follow subscribe to us and just one last thing to shout out is our monthly patreon or our one-time donation Uh, it's called blood donors uh just check out our website, whatever you feel comfortable with or whatever you can afford. If you want to help us out, we'd greatly appreciate it. It's not, you know, it's not a necessity or anything, but we get a lot of people who ask if they want to help support. Uh, tonight is Brother Mike's film review choice. Uh, it's a really good movie. Uh, I'm excited to talk about it. Mike, why don't you tell everyone what we're reviewing tonight? Yeah, man. So uh, we're reviewing One Hour Photo starring Robin Williams. First of all, I just want to say it's great to be back recording. It feels like it's been a really long time. It's almost like we're bicentennial men. All right, anyway. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I had to do it. Um, all right, so look. It, it. I really enjoyed this film. When we started this show, however many years ago it's been now, uh, it's almost been two. I think the two-year anniversary is coming up. I would never have picked this film because when you first think about it, it's not one that I would fall into that horror category. However... The more we expand our horizons and the more we do horror-adjacent movies, as I like to call it, this definitely fits in that for me. 
Um, this is a psychological thriller, obviously, but this movie makes me feel so uncomfortable almost the entire film. I'm never at ease when watching it. And that goes to Robin Williams acting. He is fantastic in this movie. If you had any doubt that Robin Williams could do a serious role, one, you've never seen Goodwill Hunting. Two, you need to watch this film. He is great as this character, Cy. And it's not something when you go into the movie that I think you would expect. And then you're kind of blown away by his performance, or at least I am. I think the rest of the cast is pretty good. There's some fun little, I won't call them cameos, but smaller bit parts played by more famous people that I think is kind of a fun uh, little nod there. Um, the concept is a little dated, obviously, uh, <laughs> because no one, not very often anyway, goes and gets pictures developed at the Walgreens or CVS or whatever anymore. But I still think it holds up. I still think the message is you know, very strong. And I think it's a really interesting film. Um, it's something that I think a lot of people have as like a sleeper movie. Uh, when we posted that we were going to do this, you know, episode on Instagram, I personally got a bunch of DMs that great pick Mike from friends in my actual life, not my online life. So they're excited for the episode. So, so I guess more people had seen this movie than I ever would have thought. So I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, not a huge cast, which I love. There's just en enough characters to keep me invested. Yeah, <laughs> you can remember people's names. That's good. And I just want to say, Nina, call me sometime. There we go. Well, what about Maya? Back. What about Maya? Also, Maya, call me sometime. But I feel bad there for Nina. Go. So <laughs> I feel bad for Nina. So just if you ever need a Linden ear, you know, like that's ever mattered in the past. All right, I'll go next real quick. General thoughts. Uh, really like the movie. I think it's great. Mike said it best. Robin Williams was fantastic. He was creepy as hell. Uh, the movie is a little dated, but it's also nostalgic, I'm sure, for all of us. we I know all of us probably remember taking the old disposable camera, getting the pictures developed. Uh, takes us back to our good old days. Now now we just whip out the old iPhone, not Android, and take pictures. Uh, <laughs> really like the movie. Like Mike said, he's super creepy. Uh, do I think this is a 10 out of 10 or anything like that great? No, but do I think it's very, very no. good? Absolutely. Brian, you want to go next? Sorry, yeah, Android I, users. Just kidding. <laughs> He's not sorry. Uh, I honestly can't remember the, the only time that I watched this before. So it was like I was watching a brand new movie this time. And look, Robin Williams is part of my childhood. I mean, Hook, Aladdin, Mrs. Doubtfire, Jumanji. They were some of my favorite movies as a kid. And, you know, on a serious note, like his death was something that that really honestly made me start looking at depression differently than I ever had. I mean, I know that I didn't know him personally, but it was the thought that someone who like Williams, who brought so much joy and laughter to people could be so depressed, like inside was really a truly an eye opener for me. And in, in a way, this movie parallels his real life. Now that we know after the fact, as it, you know, shows Cy fighting internal demons as well. And Williams is Williams is just tremendous in this role. And, and I know a lot of people say that this is his best role because, you know, it shows how versatile it is. And, you know, they may be right. I don't know. I think he's amazing in everything that he's been in. Um, and you may not know this, but in Tim Burton's plan for his follow-up to Batman Returns, he was actually going to have Robin Williams, who originally even actually tried out for Nicholson's Joker in 89 Batman. But he was going to have him, Robin Williams play the Riddler. And not only would that, I think, would have been amazing – but I can't help but picture like the way that he plays this role in this yeah. movie. Yep. Like par partially how he would have played the Riddler. I think that would have been great. Um, 
yeah. And anyway, I love the film. Super deep, smartly written. Runtime's great. Cast is great. I'm ready to review it. Good morning, Vietnam. Um, so <laughs> usually, <laughs> usually I have some uh, differences with the movies that my co-hosts pick. But Mike, I'm gonna let you off the hook on this one. Um, uh, matter of fact, you I might got be, one of those too, pal. You might be. <laughs> You might be the man of the year for this pick. Um, <laughs> I, I love this movie. Um, I haven't seen it in probably 15 years, but I remember there was a period where I watched it a lot. Um, it's a short runtime, which is nice sometimes. I know that we kind of have a reputation for shitting on runtime sometimes, but this was just an hour and 35 minutes, and it, it goes by very quickly. Um, but you're right. It does show the... Uh, versatility of Robert Williams and Brian, you mentioned something that I want to, uh, you mentioned Robin Williams, personal struggles, uh, off camera. There's a quote by him that I always loved and it, it parallels what you were saying. So Robin Williams quote says, I think the saddest people always try their hardest to make people happy because they know what, what it's like to feel absolutely worthless and they don't want anyone else to feel that. And so, absolutely. uh, you know, his death hit me hard as well. And going Absolutely. back and watching his movies in hindsight, whether it's a comedy or a darker role like this or insomnia uh, or a ser another serious role like Goodwill Hunting, it's just, uh, it really makes me appreciate him even more. Um, but yeah, no, anyway, I love this movie. I'm glad that you picked it. This is a movie, if I was going on a road trip in an RV, uh, I would definitely watch it on that road trip. So, um, the, why are you we're, doing that, we're doing this again. We're doing this. Again. I'm done. I'm done. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't believe you. <laughs> but no, I do love this movie. I'm glad you picked it, and I'm excited to hear you guys' thoughts as well. Hey, man, it just blows my mind that you that you guys even had the slightest bit of Mrs. Doubt fire about this pick. All right, let's do this. I feel like you. I feel like you stretched that one. I did. <laughs> I totally did. <laughs> that was a reach. <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah. You really flubbered that one up. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, you guys, I'll send y'all my scene by scene and a message. I'll just was, go ahead. I'll be – I'm going to head good. out now. <laughs> All right, any more opening thoughts before we jump into scene by scene? No. All right, let's do it. Uh, super excited for this one. This is a good one. Film starts with title card, and now we're in a room where Cy is having his criminal photos taken. Detective enters the room with him and tells him they processed the pictures he left at the hotel. Sai asks if they have their own personal lab, and he asks Sai, what about Will York and provoked him to do this? Now we hear Sai narrate about family photos and describe what photos share in a person's life. No one takes a photograph of something they want to forget. Now we see Nina and Will, and she says she's picking up takeout for dinner. She and Jake get to the store to pick up her photos, and Sai knows her address by heart. Sai is impressed with the camera and takes a selfie to use up the last available photo. He asks her how Jake's been, and he just celebrated his ninth birthday. She says she wants two copies, but he writes down three. Cy tells her she's one of their best customers, and he'll make sure the pictures are ready by the time they close. She walks off to go shop. Yoshi tells Cy he made a mistake with the last roll of film. Cy has been doing his job for over 20 years, and he says family photos are very important. We see the photo developing process, and he narrates more of how it's done. He processed them as if they were his own. He hands her the pictures, but he made them the wrong size. He now gives Jake a free camera for his birthday. She says they're going to Six Flags, so they'll be back soon. We see Cy leave work, 
and he sees his car has a cracked windshield. The family looks through the pictures now on the couch laughing and giggling. Will sees the Cy selfie now. Cy is at a diner now looking through the third set of photos of the family. The waitress walks up and asks if he needs anything, and she asks if she can look through the photos. He says Jake is his nephew, and he got him a camera for his birthday. Cy makes it to his apartment. Back at the Yorkin resident, and Jake says he feels sad for someone who has no friends, and people make fun of him. She asks who, and he says Cy. She tells him we don't know Cy is sad, and he might have a lot of friends. She says it is so sweet of him to be thoughtful as he is, as we see Cy in his apartment alone. She says, why don't we close our eyes and send Cy some good thoughts? I bet next time we see Cy, he won't be as sad as, as she, she says. Cy gives his hamster some water, and we see he has several photos of Nina's family. Will and Nina argue about finances. She says he's an emotionally neglectful husband and father. You're never here as Jake overhears. She says she's going to bed and she cries. Back to Cy, he's watching The Simpsons, and we see he has an entire wall of Nina's family photos. And I wrote, very creepy. Brian, do you want to kick us off? Sure. <clears throat> uh, I love the opening shot, you know, with your whole point of view of the camera. Um, the soundtrack and just the fact that it, you know, throws you in the end of the story here and then kind of takes you back. You know, I think most movies would have just started at the birthday party with his voiceover. Uh, but I think showing you him like in the police station and the, the just the amazing acting from Williams, uh, he has that creepy, like there's a lot going on here deep inside him feeling. I loved it. And, uh, like just, so Robin Williams name in this movie is Seymour Parish or is it Seymour Parish? Seymour. I think yeah, they just call him Cy. Anyway, so regardless, this is Alan Parrish from Jumanji's brother, right? So I think that yeah, I don't know. I think we just confirmed the Robin Williams verse right there. But um uh, Michael Vartain, I used to watch him all the time with my ex, who was a huge alias fan. I actually think I even owned all the seasons of alias at one point, even. Um I think he was good in this. Uh, the the little screen time you know that they really have to work with, but Connie Nielsen, who has been a ton of stuff herself, uh, Gladiator, Wonder Woman as the queen of the look. All right, so behind the scenes here, I almost just said the f word, but so we just did an interview with the amazing Serena Vincent, and it kept cutting out back and forth, back and forth, and I actually even told Nico, I said, look. I'm telling God right now, if he fixes this, I'm not saying the F word the rest of the day, the rest of the night. So guess what? I'm not saying it. So she's the queen of the effing Amazons. Anyway, she's fantastic in this movie. And, and you know, we'll go check those emails, by the way. We would love to have you, uh, both of you on the show. But uh, lastly, you know, we kind of talked about it. You guys have all talked about it. Nico talked about it. Mike talked about it. Kind of saying that the cameras date the movie. But. Honestly, I, there's something about old film and handheld cameras that just adds so much to horror movies to me. I mean, there's a there's a reason why we use the ching from Texas Chainsaw, you know, in our ads, and why hell, why they chose to use it in the first place. But you know, without getting too deep, I think there's just something about photos, and especially like older pre digital photos that are like snapshots in time almost. It's like a, it's a really hard thing to explain, but I love how it's used here um, in the soundtrack. So creepy here. Just such great job from director Mark Romanek and, and music composers uh, Reinhold Heil and Johnny Kilmel. Uh, just off the top, I don't necessarily think it dates this movie in a bad way. I think it the message is still the same. You know, he kind of talks about how willingly we would give basically a snapshot into our lives over to these strangers behind the desk and they'd print our photos for us. 
Um, we do that now, except we do it on, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, and all these other places. So the message still holds true. The, you know, the method just may be a little dated. That's all. I, I, I still think it works really well. Um, I like that right here at the beginning, especially when you've seen it, the first thing we see is someone else taking size photo. I feel like that's kind of a fun irony there. Um, so I, a lot of people don't like the fact that we start this movie at the end. I kind of do. I think it adds a little something to it personally. Um, the, the, I know it kind of gives the ending away, but I think that doesn't really hurt anything at all. I, I think we kind of, it makes me want to know how we got to this place. Um, uh, you know, we've already, we've talked about this. Robin Williams just does a fantastic job. I mean, he, it's really hard for him in the movies that he's been in to make himself not likable. And I think as the movie progresses, even early on, there's just something about the guy that's a little off. You, you have empathy, not necessarily sympathy. He's just a different bird. He's not super likable. You can just kind of get the vibes from him. Um, and again, his interactions with Nina are very uncomfortable. You know, I kind of talked about it again. This movie never makes me feel good. The, 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 there's not one stretch of movie where I feel happiness and warmth. I'm just kind of uneasy. And I think his interactions with Nina at the desk are, are, uh, are a part of that. He, Hey, I'll tell you right now, this man takes his damn job serious. This is some serious business behind the counter printing all these pictures, man. I've never seen anything like it in my life. I mean, good for him. Nothing wrong with taking your job seriously. I'm just saying. Um, so the character of Jake, he didn't have, he doesn't do a whole lot, but, but I do think it's he's very important. And I think him kind of being a shy, nervous kid, especially here when he gets the camera, is is important. Um, I love that when Cy goes home, his apartment is all white. The lack of color really, really adds a sterile atmosphere to me. It's like being in a hospital. It's just, again, very unnerving, for lack of a better word. Um, look, you get Will and Nina in the kitchen, and they're arguing. Will's an asshole. I understand why, you know, Cy picked him out to go after him, almost like he wants to go goodwill hunting. Um, the f <laughs> Don't look at me like that. What the fuck? <laughs> Something I said? All right, anyway. Um, so last thing here, because, again, this opening set of scenes, not a whole lot happens until the very end when you get to that photo wall. And the photo wall takes his creepy level, which, again – if you're watching for the first time, you could just kind of see him being a little of a different guy. He's quirky. You know, there's something a little off. You get to that photo wall and you're like, oh, this guy's a loose cant. Like, there's something wrong with this dude. Now, I know he has pictures on the table and that's creepy. But if you blink, you kind of miss that. The photo wall is just like, Jesus, man. It's so, it's so unnerving and so weird. And I love the score. Uh, you know, the multiple scores that they kind of, you know, the music in this movie, I think is really underrated as far as it kind of really helps some of these scenes. And I love that the photo wall comes, you know, the placement of the pictures anyway, comes back in at the very end, not to spoil anything, but I kind of like that. We kind of establish the way he organizes his photos here. I think it's really good. So yeah, a pretty good way to start uh, setting up this film. Yeah. So I'm a little conflicted on how they open. You know, showing him arrested right away to me kind of takes some of the suspense away. I would have, you know, I, I, I think it's very well done and it's still a fantastic movie. But part of me 
which is especially on that initial watch when you don't really know what's going on with him. Right. Part of me wishes that we're just introduced to him and we think that he's just a quirky guy and he's weird. And then all of a sudden we see that he goes down this dark path and that he's going to end up in, in jail. Um, but like I said, it is well done. So I get it. And I also love how Williams doing the commentary and the narrating. It's like, is he telling the officer this, uh, Vanderzen or whatever his name was? Is he telling him this or is he telling the audience this narrating? Because, you know, that scene ended on a question. So it could be. Well, you know, when he asked him, what is it that drove you to do this? It's really set it up like he's talking to us and the the detective there. So I, I like how that shot. Just right. something that goes through my mind. Also, shout out to Eric LaSalle. I cannot see him without thinking of Daryl from Coming to America and how he is the uh, the heir to the Soul Glow um, fortune. But, uh, you know, they do a great job in this opening set of scenes of showing you the dynamic immediately. Like they bring you up to speed real quick on uh, size, life, his solitude, and also his uh, affinity for this family and the dynamic with the family. Uh, you know the relationship that he's built just because he's developed their photo. So I think that's really great. Um, you see immediately that size a creepy guy. And he's way too involved. Even if you don't know where this is going to end up, he's just coming out of the back room and knowing the address off the top of his head like that, that just comes across a little creepy. Um, and I love the, you know, when she, he says how many sets she says two, and you see his pin right down three. It's a great touch. Um, still didn't really prepare me for what we're going to see. Cause Jesus Christ, that was a lot of pictures up on his wall. Um, <laughs> shout out to whoever did the math on this. Not me, but I found this on IMDb. Uh, the photo wall, there's actually 854 photos. It's 29 high by 31 across, minus three rows of 10, 14, and 21. Uh, and then at a later date, the wall has 862 photos. Same grid, minus three rows of 2, 14, and 21. That's a lot of pictures. That's so ridiculous. shout out to whoever did that math. Um, I really hope that you find a hobby. Um, like listening <laughs> to this podcast. <laughs> yes. Um I'll, you know, I'll, the scene of him in the diner is chilling. You yeah. know, he's sitting there looking at pictures of someone that he doesn't really know. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, that that's a parallel to what a lot of people do in real life anyway. They just don't realize yep. it. All these Absolutely. people that sit, sit at, a, at a, you know, sit in a chair and scroll Instagram looking at celebrity photos. That's the same True. creepy shit, man. Like, you don't know it these is. people. But right. anyway, um I like how they use Jack to call the shot there when he's like, he feels sorry for people that doesn't have a friend and is lonely. He's like, who are you talking about? Like little kids are so pure and he picked up on that. Like I like that dynamic. Also the actor that played Jack, uh, shout out to him. Let me get his name here. That is Dylan Smith. He played young, uh, will in pirates of the Caribbean. Nice. So that's cool. He hasn't been in anything since 2006. So I hope he's enjoying life out of the spotlight. Couldn't imagine being a child actor. Um, the argument between Will and Nina, I thought was very well done as well, because it really goes right along with what Robin Williams or Cy is saying when he's narrating the open. He's telling you that you don't really see the full picture. It's easy to think that life is perfect. And then, bam, we see this very real argument from a family where the wife feels like her and her child are being neglected by the, the husband. 
and he's just deflecting, saying that you're basically calling her a gold digger and she's spending too much money and I've got to work if you want to keep this lifestyle. That's a very real argument that, you know, causes a lot of issues with, with families and they yeah. pulled it off greatly there. Um, and then the last thing that I had in this set of scenes, uh, you kind of touched on it there. You said that this is Alan Parrish's brother. I'll do you one better. So after the events of Jumanji, Alan Parrish was so – he went down a spiral, man. I mean, that's got to jack you up being sucked into a board game. He had some deep psychological issues. So he moved to a different town, dyed his hair, and changed his first name to where no one would be able to find him. And he got a part-time job as a uh, photo developer. So this is but the same never, guy. He never got out of the game, though, I thought. Did he get out of the game in the first one? I thought he was stuck in there. I thought I he got remember. out. I thought he got out. Well, in the second, in the second one, like it uh, has the second one doesn't Alan exist Parrish. to me. Why? You, the se- the second one with like the rock. Yeah. Fuck that. Oh, that was great. Oh, okay, <laughs> I'll take your word for it. It's just uh, the first one is such <laughs> oh, a classic. Jesus. You can't throw Kevin Hart. Um, you can't throw quick, Kevin Hart in the reboot of a classic to me. I don't know, man. Before <laughs> really you go, Nico, right. shout out to my man Gary Cole. Shout out to my man Gary Cole. Yes, sir. Doing some things. Yeah, Gary Cole. Always loving appearance. Uh, basically, so, basically, if you have a job or a movie to where there's a boss named Bill, yeah. Gary Cole's yeah. the guy. <laughs> yes, yes. Not Bill Lumberg, but Bill Owens in this one. Yes. So I'm going to need you to go ahead and come in tomorrow. Hello, Cy, what would you What's say it is you happening? do here? Say it is. Hey, before you go though, like I know we, we talked about Robin Williams. But I mean, Romanek, I think, does a tremendous job with the atmosphere. I mean, just yeah. that whole the shots in this of the entire film developing process, like yeah. the music. Hell, even when Will like throws that picture of Cy, the photo guy, like on the table and the camera just kind of stays there for a minute with that like tense music. I mean, shit, I, I thought it was great. I thought it did a great job of setting that right there. Just wanted to point that out. Yeah. And one more thing on that scene that you just mentioned, when he throws the picture on the table there um, so you can see that they were eating Chinese food. There's an open fortune cookie there that says someone wants you to be happy. And Romanek actually searched through 30 fortune cookies before he found one with a phrase that related to the movie and went with that. So that's a that's a cool little Easter egg there to see right. that because Cy thought that Nina deserved more. One more. Qu- couldn't have just typed one up. Like, that's kind of weird. <laughs> right. That is kind of weird. But <laughs> sorry, Nico. One more quick thing. And that is this photo wall scene that this ends on to me, sets up a dynamic for you as the viewer to be very confused by the character of Psy because they still do a pretty good job of making him not necessarily sympathetic, but you have empathy for him as as you see his sadness throughout this entire film. But yet you look at his wall and it's covered with a family he does not know. And that is creepy and not okay. And it's over the line. But then you take a step back and there are scenes in this movie where you're like, man, I feel terrible for this guy. Uh, he's clearly got some issues, but you have a really hard – as a viewer, I think you, it, it's a good dynamic to have. It's a good struggle because you don't – there's just certain scenes where you don't know where to fall on side. And I think that's a really I, – I think that's really well written. Definitely. Uh, Sai is back at work now. He picks up a teddy bear that fell on the ground. He says Monday is the busiest day of the week. He describes different customers and the types of pictures they all take. We have a cat lady, new parents, insurance agents, and the amateur porn p- 
the an, the amateur porn photographer. Tongue got twisted. Sorry about that. Sai argues with a technician as he walks out. The boss overhears the arguing. Sai is in the break room now, and he stares at the Yorkin Christmas photo, and he imagines himself there. Bill asks, what's the deal with the argument? He sits down and tells him to evaluate his rank on the food chain. Sai apologizes for making a scene. Bill says he needs to use some of his vacation time and relax. And then he says his lunch break ended 30 minutes ago, and why are you still here? Will is at the store now and asks Sai a question, but he says this isn't his section. He, te- he tells him he'll get him some help after he introduces himself as their photo guy. Bill overlooks and sees Sai, and Sai tells Will he's a very lucky man. He has a beautiful family and a beautiful home. He asks Will to tell the family hi for him. Another worker shows up to help Will, and Jake runs into Sai with a toy he wants. Will says, no more toys, we gotta go. Sai takes a toy, and Will says he shouldn't talk to strangers. Back at the diner, Sai reads a book called The Path to Love. Now we see him out at a flea market, and he looks at older pictures there. He talks about how a photo stops the hands of time for an instant. We now see Sai sitting in his car. He says people don't take pictures of the little things. These are the things that make the true pictures of our lives. Sai now walks inside the Yorkin house, and he looks at the photos on the refrigerator, and he sees the picture he took of himself. He sees Jake's messy room and drops a deuce. I thought it was funny. He checks out the master bedroom and wears, I assume, Will's clothes and watches football and drinks a beer. We see a door unlock and Nina and the family walk in. We see Sai begin to panic and the family greet him as if he were the uncle. Just all a dream in his mind and he drives off. Sai asks a customer how many prints she'd like and he says she looks very familiar. Now we're at soccer practice and we see Sai in the bleachers cheering Jake on. Sai says Jake's coach was a little rough on him, and now Sai is walking with Jake and says he wasn't athletic and he was a fat kid and always sick. He says he wasn't very popular. Sai asks if his dad ever comes to any of his games. He tells Sai his dad works a lot, and Sai ties his shoes for him. He tells Jake he has something for him and gives him the toy he wanted. Jake tells him he can't take it. His parents won't let him. He says he has to leave, and he thanks him again. All right, go ahead, Brian. So I don't have a lot on this set of scenes, but you know, I wanted to point out the camera work again. I think it's just brilliant. And the little subtle things like in this set of scenes, I wanted to point out when, when Cy's going through those pictures of the street vendor and it's like just a shot of Cy like through the mirror. And this isn't the first time either and not definitely not the last time. So I, I, I'm sure that there's some deeper meaning to those shots about, you know, mirrors being windows into your soul and all of that. But also I think that those are beautiful shots. And also I loved the fake out with the break in. It's things like that that I think paint enough of a picture with what's going on inside his head that I don't feel like that you had to have lines like the last set of scenes where Jake and his mom and they were talking about him being lonely which I didn't talk about that. Um, I know Dustin did and said he liked them, but I just kind of felt like that it wasn't really needed at all. I mean, I think, you know, uh, I think we kind of get what, what what they're trying to say about that character of Cy without having someone else pointed out like they had Cy do. I felt like it's a little bit too on the nose and, and it was kind of a weird sending good thoughts kind of scene. I, I don't know. I don't know. It just, I, it didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel like it fit in good. And uh, it also, to me, kind of made the scene where he didn't take the toy a little odd. I mean, if he felt that bad for him and just, I don't know, to me, it kind of seems like he would have taken that, right? I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's just, to me, it just didn't fit there unless, 
you know, there should have been a scene maybe where the parents kind of like maybe expressed to him like how weird Cy is and not to talk to him really anymore or put something in his head. Other than that, you just kind of got to make that up. And I don't know, to me, it just kind of hit me differently, but that's all I had. Yeah, so I actually have a decent amount on this set of scenes, partially because I think it's really the meat of the film where we kind of like get to see again, like I mentioned previously, just the like ups and downs of Cy and like how we feel about him as a viewer. I like you, Brian. I love that shot backing away from the mirror. I think that's a really, really good shot. I I love that. Um, first of all, this man's memory of all of his customers is immaculate. It it is unbelievable. Almost like he has a photogenic memory. Anyway, um, so hey, don't stop stop looking at me like that, man. Stop stop doing that. Um, look, the also the porn guy is hilarious. Like the porn guy is really funny, and Robin Williams is so good at this role. Where right there in any other Robin Williams movie, he would have done something humorous there. He just like gives this little creepy smile, and it's it's perfect. I, God, it's such a nice touch. I love it. Um, so you know, he finally gets to interact with Will. I think it's very awkward. Again, I talked about how uncomfortable this movie makes me. Him kind of treating Will like he's a big shot, like he's somebody, uh, and and Will has no idea who side the photo guy is. And I, it's just an awkward interaction. Dustin kind of talked about how we scroll our phones looking at celebrity stuff. That's kind of the way that that freaking Cy is treating Will here. And it's just very, it's very creepy. It's, it's, it's again, unnerving. I can't come up with any other better words. If you have synonyms for uh, the word unnerving, please send me a thesaurus. Um, look, and again, same with Jake. His interaction with Jake in the store is just, it's over the, it's over the line. Like it's, it's very creepy and I don't like it. It makes me feel bad. Um, so I love the score. I've said it already, but especially as Cy is sitting outside of his car, looking into the house, it's so perfect. Robin Williams is making this almost like stoic face and it's, it's a really good shot. They do a great job for a brief moment, making, making me at least think that Cy went into the house, like actually got up out of his car and went into the house I think the moment you see the picture of him on the fridge, <laughs> you automatically know, oh, okay. No, he's not in the house. There's no way they would put the selfie of Cy, the photo guy, up, up in their house. Um, but again, I think they kind of hooked me a little bit there with it. you know. And it's just so it's so weirdy that he's in the house of a family he doesn't know. He makes little comments about, you know, Jake needed to clean up his room and all that other stuff. It's just, again, very, very creepy. Hey, Dustin. Did you see that game on the TV? That is Minnesota and Michigan State. And Minnesota's wearing those ugly-ass uniforms that we talked about on our other show, The Lateral, which you can catch anywhere you get your podcast. But they're wearing those ugly-ass Minnesota uniforms with the M's that connect at the top. That's what I'm talking about, baby. Um, but again, they even yep, kind of hooked me back in just for a minute where the family shows up and everything's okay. You know, just for a little bit, I'm like, well, maybe he did go into the house. It's very, very creepy. Um, two more things. Him showing up at soccer practice to me is where I really start to kind of lose my empathy for side. Like there is just, that is again, just crossing the line, but I think it's, a, it would make me run the other fucking way. Um, last thing, him not taking the toy, Brian, I get what you're saying, but to me, I think it added a little character depth to the kid because any other kid in that setting, nine times out of ten, would have taken the toy and, and just dealt with consequences later. I know he feels bad for Cy, but there's also a part of me, and I think this scene kind of starts it, 
where he feels a little uneasy about Cy. Like, I don't, I, I think, you know, like, kind of like Dustin said, kids are so pure. He picked up on him being sad and lonely, but I think here he's picking up on him being a little too much, a little creepy. You know, why are you coming by my soccer practice? Why are you giving me this toy? It kind of feels like don't take candy from strangers kind of situation to me. Um, and I think that kind of adds a little depth to the character, which instead of him just being a dumb kid that takes a toy from a stranger. So I kind of like that. Well, and to uh, to piggyback off of that, he also has this annoyance with Sai I picked up on a little bit because when Absolutely. Uh, Sai is talking to him and then the coach says, you okay? The way he said, yeah, was just like, yeah, it's just Sai's dumbass. He won't leave me alone again. Like you, I picked up on a little annoyance there. But uh, anyway, I don't have a lot of set, a lot of on this set of scenes either. This set of scenes is uh, really just to show off the acting ability of all those involved and to build the tension. And holy shit, did it ever! Because when he walks in the house, it's like, oh my god! Like I, that was a tense set of scenes because you just knew that what's going to happen when uh, Will walks in, what's going to happen when Nina walks in and she's alone, she freaks the fuck out. Um, it's just a very tense setting. And then he, he has the audacity to shit in the toilet. He has the audacity to put on a sweatshirt and open a beer and just sit on the couch and watch football. And then when they walk in, they're like, oh, hey, Cy. It's like, what the? F-? And then it flashes back to him in the car. That was a brilliantly shot scene. Um, and it really does a great job of showing how deep his fantasies run. Um, this is a dangerous man. It, it may seem like he just he's you know he's harmless and he's gonna just watch from afar or maybe watch closely but uh, not do anything. Um, but this is a dangerous man. You can pick up on that. Um, and then especially when he shows up at the soccer practice, the actual audacity you know the audacity of his fantasies to sit in the house like that, but uh, show up at the kid's soccer practice. I did think it was funny though when uh, he kicked the ball right at the goalkeeper. And then he's praising him. Oh, great shot. I'm like, no, man, <laughs> that shit sucked. <laughs> I laughed a little bit at that. Um, but, yeah, it, it it was just a great set of scenes to – this is all about building, and boy, did it ever. All right, now we're at the mall, and we see Cy right behind Nina on an escalator. He gets food and sits down awkwardly at the table right beside her. She hangs up the phone and says hi to Cy. Once they chat some more, he moves closer to her, and she tells him Jake really likes Cy. And he says he feels like Uncle Cy to him. She goes to walk off and he starts to read his book. She's in shock because uh, he's reading the same book as him. He reads an insert to her now and she says he's a deep thinker. She asks if he has kids or a girlfriend. He says he has a snapshot of his mother and shows her the pic he got from the flea market. She walks off and says, nice chat and she'll see him soon. Back at the store and we see Cy messing with a machine and Bill sees it on camera. He calls him to the office. He asks about his getup and says there are discrepancies on his logs. Bill calls outside for all the missing prints, hundreds of missing prints. Bill says he has a family and he's not losing his job over this and fires him. He calls Cy out for taking prints, spacing out on the job, causing scenes, 90-minute lunch breaks, giving out free merch. He tells him to finish the week and he's done. We see Cy sitting on a display bed in sorrow. Nina shows up and tells Cy Jake wants to process his birthday gift photos. Cy is visibly bothered as he takes their order and asks for her address. She asks Cy if he's all right, and he says they'll be ready tomorrow. They walk out a little puzzled. 
He goes to the back and bangs the camera against the counter in a moment of rage. We now see Sai sitting Indian style in a corner looking at the photos with a smile on his face. He now begins to weep. Sai is inside his apartment now and examines a group softball photo. Sai is back at work and he gets a customer named Maya Burson's photos out and looks through them. He finds pictures of her and Will on vacation together. Sai is in the red room staring at the photo of Will and Maya kissing. Sai puts Nina's photo in the file and tells Yoshi that he got fired and he enjoyed working with him. Yoshi thanks him for what he's taught him. Sai walks to the store and he stops at the knife display and takes one as he exits the door. All right, go ahead, Brian. That's the next two scenes I got. One question I had, and it kind of seemed weird to me that Bill was uh, finally noticing after how many years just now that he's making all these extra copies. And I, I mean, I, I assume we don't know, but perhaps Bill just maybe decided to look into it after his latest interactions with Cy. I don't know. It's just something that I wanted to point out. But um, I, I kind of I guess that's just something you got to fill in with your own headcanning there. One one thing I did think was a terrible management decision there, Lumberg, is letting the dude work out the week and then let him keep keys to the building and to the cases. Like, what the what what the f kind of sense does that make? Uh, terrible decision making there. I must have learned that at uh, Inatech, and that's another Office Space reference there for those <laughs> of you who have never seen it. Um. I love the scene with Cy looking at Jake's pictures of the uh, quote-unquote everyday things that he was referencing earlier in the movie. I thought that was a really powerful and uh, moment, just really amazing acting there from Williams. And um, eh, It's probably a little bit of plot armor or a little bit of thin writing, dare I say, but I thought to just kind of suddenly have Cy look at the one picture on his wall of all of those 800 and whatever that Dustin said earlier, pictures that he needed to like he had looked at the one particular one that he needed to on his wall to figure out that Maya worked there with Will and I mean I I don't know I I do wish that they would have maybe explored that a little bit more maybe given more of a reason for Cy to be looking even into that maybe notice something on Maya's end first I don't know anyway just definitely something you you kind of have to overlook well I did anyway and uh lastly you know the, the thing about this character arc with with Cy Look, it's like he goes from this guy, and Mike kind of touched on this earlier, but he goes from this guy that that you feel like something is up with, but he never like really lets you see this really dark side of him. I mean, it's almost like he, a guy who, I mean, I mean, it's not like he wants to murder Nina or anything. He just really like sees himself as like part of this family. And I mean, if he was like a serial killer, and you had him like maybe murder Maya, or, you know, after finding out this and like frame will i don't know i'm just rambling here but it's just such a kind of bizarre place to kind of end up with his character arc that's not it's not bad and you know i'll get into it more in the next set of scenes and then uh, the ending too it's just it's different it's like he he flipped out but he didn't flip to the point that you expected almost you know it's it's anyway i mean that probably didn't make any sense but anyway go ahead mike yeah, so again, right off the top, another just really awkward conversation with uh, Cy and Nina. It's almost like she tr- she's really trying to give him a chance to kind of be normal, and he just doesn't have that ability, or quote-unquote normal. He just doesn't have that ability to communicate that way. Um, I mean, this man is is doing some stalking, stalking. Like, he is he has found the, the book this woman read and is reading the same book. That is a dedication level in which I cannot relate. Um and again, he pulls out a pic of his mom, which I, you know, I think is his way of communicating. I don't think he means anything bad. I just, it's a swing and a miss. Like it just kind of made her feel a little bit uncomfortable. 
Um, look, I feel, and again, we talked about it where you just go on this ride with the character of Sai. I feel for him as he's, you know, gets fired here. It's very, it's all his, this job is all this man has. That's it. And this is now taken away from him. And I mean, you feel for him. And again, it, it's kind of, de- it's deserved as far, you know, if you're a boss and you're starting to look at numbers and, and I, I agree with you, Brian, very weird, random time to kind of find that out. But, uh, you know, once you find that out, you kind of have to look around, see who it is and, and, and make that call. And I think, you know, I just, again, I feel for him, um, but hard to feel for him too bad because we know what he, we know what is in his head and what's going on inside his home. Um, and again, he interacts with the family or, you know, Nina and Jake and, and, you know, you could tell they kind of want this happy-go-lucky side that they're used to, and they're kind of taken aback when he's not all peachy. Uh, and th- to me, that kind of it kind of shows they took him, they took it a little, or took his kindness for granted. Like you know, they expect him to always be this one way, and he wasn't this way today. And you know, they're kind of upset by it. But at the same time, you know, he's he's just like anybody else. He's going to have happy and sad emotions. You know, this whole thing could have been solved. All this man had was a genie and a lamp. All right, anyway. Um, come on, baby. All right, anyway. I love the genie. Great character. Um, the man is about to lose his shit when he sees a picture of Will. Such great acting by Robin Williams there. Um, the, his reality, that's what's happening there. His reality of this perfect family that he's envisioned, it's being destroyed right in front of his eye. I love the red lighting on the shots. You know, a lot of, like he's in an old film room. I think that's great. It looks really cool. Um, you know, Yoshi kind of thanking him on the way out made me kind of think maybe it's just a good time to have some hope. Doesn't happen. And as the, as he's leaving the store, you get this very happy, stupid store music that, you know, was like a big thing at the time. The, like this fake whatever cell phone ringtone sounding music. And it's very happy. And then slowly, for surely, as his face changes, the music changes into something darker. And I like, I think it's done so, so well. Uh, And you mentioned it, Brian. If they fire me, I'm keeping them keys too, man. I'm not giving these keys up till you make me. You're an idiot for letting me have all these keys to everything. And that's how he gets the knife. And I'm just saying, I don't know why this man took a knife. He'd he'd been much better off using a hook. I was waiting for that one. Okay, that's that's the end of it. Okay, <laughs> respect. Um, so this set of scenes, you really get to see uh, that this motherfucker is deranged. First, you know, with him yelling at the repairman, like that's not the side that we were introduced to at the start of the film, right? Like this is this they really tried to make it seem like he's just this harmless guy that cares a lot about his job. Uh, but this motherfucker is a full blown stalker now. Uh, intentionally bumping into the table to get her attention. He's at the mall despite him living downtown, like not near the mall. He's reading the same book that she's reading because he saw it in her bag. Uh, His getting fired is more than justified. I no longer have any empathy for him just because of how unhinged he clearly is. And so, again, this set of scenes is just, this is all about depth and this is all about the build. And from... Start to finish, I I don't know. I, I really, when I watched it this time, 
I really appreciate this movie more than I ever have. Like I always had a high opinion of it, but this rewatch when I'm looking through the uh, quote unquote critics eyes, you know, where I've got to actually be breaking down what I'm seeing. And it's just the acting in this movie and the writing in this movie and the cinematography in this movie and the score in this movie, it's also perfect. And so um, it's just another set of scenes. You guys pretty much knocked it out of the park with your assessments. So, I'll, uh, I'll I'll leave it at that. All right, Sai sits in his car and watches as Nina goes inside the store to pick up her photos. She hands them to Jake, and Sai follows Nina as they drive off. Suddenly, we see Nina's SUV swerve as she comes to a stop. Sai pulls behind her and watches on. Inside the car now, we see Nina looking on at the photo of Will and Maya kissing. She cries and drives off. Sai sits outside the house and watches them as they eat dinner. He's waiting on the blow-up. What the hell is wrong with these people? He asks as he punches his steering wheel and drives off. Sai is watching TV again and examines his wall of photos. Sai is now in bed and dreams of being in an empty store. He awakes with bloodshot eyes that gush out blood. He awakes in a fright. He sees the toy he brought he bought for Jake on his nightstand. Sai, I don't know, he writes, draws what it looks like on one of the photos, and now he gets ready in the morning. The word snapshot was first used in 1808 by Sir Andrew Hawker taking photos of birds. He has the family pic as his keychain now. We now see Sai taking several photos as he exit as he exits his parked car. Sai walks in Save Mart and Bill stops him and Sai says he's still allowed to shop here. Bill says find somewhere else to shop after this time. Bill has security watch Sai as he drops off the film. Sai now watches Will and Maya get in the car together and drive off. Yoshi goes into Bill's office and says he needs to see these photos. Bill looks through them. They're Sai's photos. They're all of Bill's kid outside playing. Bill is pissed. Sai follows Maya's car and watches on. The police interrogate Yoshi and Bill now about Sai's demeanor. Detective asks Bill how was Sai's demeanor when he got fired. There's an APB and search warrant out for Sai in his car. Detective thinks these photos left with Yoshi are a warning. The cops enter Sai's apartment now. They open the blinds and see all the photos on the wall. And we see Will has been scratched out of all of them. Officer asks to be connected to the detective immediately. Sai is calling the hotel to talk to Maya and he connects to her. He finds out which room they're in and cancels their room service. The police show up to Nina's house and they need to speak to Will, but he's not there. They ask to come inside. Sai asks the hotel worker for a room on level 5. Nina calls Will's work to get a hold of him. Nina sees a photo of Will scratched out. Sai takes the elevator up to level 5. They tell Nina to have Jake brought home. And the next few scenes are the ending. Go ahead, Brian. So, again, the camera work. Look, earlier I talked about the mirrors kind of playing a part, and I noticed right off the bat in this set of scenes, the rearview mirror is covering the eyes of Cy while he sits in the car waiting. Now, is that a deeper meaning of him maybe facing demons from his past that are now in the rear view? I don't know. Just something I noticed kind of made me think a little bit. Um, like Dustin mentioned, when you're kind of trying to really pay attention to the movie, you pick up on stuff that, that I didn't before anyway. Um, either way, great camera shot there. I thought it was definitely unique either way. Um, also, there is a small continuity mistake here. When, uh, when Nina slams on her brakes and pulls to the side, she's just there by the curb on the side of the road with some nice green grass on the side. But when it shows size car in the rear view, they're, they're now pulled up next to like a huge hill covering leaves and more trees. So that shot of the rear or shot through the, uh, shoot through the passenger side mirror. There must've been a reshoot reshoot. Um, 
Also, I know this isn't very productive as a review, but God almighty, the zoom on that little camera, I think is ridiculously good. Like it's like one of those huge like lenses on those big Nikon cameras. But uh, yeah, I used to have cameras like that. Trust me, they, they didn't zoom in that good. Um, lastly, I just wanted to kind of speak to the effect on the bleeding eyes. I thought it looked great. Um, over the top for reality, but definitely perfect for a dream sequence. Um, the buildup here is good, cold, eerie, you know, kind of just the whole the whole combo there, just the feel to everything, as you honestly aren't really sure what he's going to do. And I uh, just wanted to shout out to Agent Phil Coulson from S.H.I.E.L.D. as well here. Um, you know, obviously this must have been before he joined, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. But anyway, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, so again, another time we were in a weird place as the viewer, obviously – you want her to find out about Will, but you also, it's at the hands of Cy, who's committing a major-ass felony right now. Uh, a, a lot of them, actually. And so you're kind of, again, not necessarily torn, because, again, I, I, I'm not on Cy's side anymore, but still, just, you know, as a viewer, it, it's a bumpy ride. It's a really fucked-up way to let somebody know that their uh, husband is cheating on them. I think there's a much better, more adult way to do that. Uh, I know he doesn't communicate well, so I you kind of feel for him there, but you got to, you know, write it down on a piece of paper or something, man. Like, I don't know. Um, uh, I love the lighting in this, you know, set of scenes outside the house as the sun goes down, you know, and th there's that blue hue that I really, really like. Um, that's all. <laughs> Again, you go back and you see the, you know, he gets mad and he storms off and wonders what's wrong with these people. First of all, what's wrong with you? Second of all, goes back, see all these photos again. Same number of photos on the wall is the same number of shoes that Nico has in his closet right now. Um, so that's quite a bit. Uh, what, something I said? Anyway, look, I don't mind the eye blood. A lot of people think it's kind of out there for this more grounded film. But I think, it, you go, it's a dream sequence. He obviously, I think it's kind of scared by the thought that he has to, or he may never you know, get to see photos again or something like that. So that's the only thing. Um I could take away from that. I don't know how you could tell this man he can't shop at that store. That's bullshit. That's not how the world works. Um, unless you have some kind of, you know, warrant or whatever, you know, or restraining order, then I don't think you can do that. He can shop there if he wants. Uh, I would definitely keep an eye on him, though, and ended up being the right call because this man took really weird. This is where Cy loses me 1,000%. These creepy pictures of his daughter. It's not – there's – after that, everything – goes out the window that's not okay it's a big threat it's 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 out of line it's over it's over the top and i just can't get with him anymore um you know Sai is smarter than people give him credit for though you know the you know all these phone you know all the phone things in the lobby of that hotel that is really creepy almost too smart for his own good it it it's scary man that's you know the fact that he's even thinking to even do that and go that far i think it's scary but you know, right here at the end, I I just feel really bad for Nina. She's in a bad place. You know, husband's cheating, son's not home. Cy ended up being a completely total weirdo that they that I mean more than they would have ever expected. So I just feel really bad for her. That's all I had. All right, here's the ending. Cy walks level five and stops at room five eleven and puts a sticker over the peephole. He knocks on the door and barges in. As soon as he cracks the door, he pulls out the knife he stole from work. He orders Maya on the bed and the drape shut. He says he makes the orders and asks if they understand. He says he'll stab Will in the heart if he touches her again. The detectives head to the hotel. He tells her to take the robe off. Maya begins to cry and he tells her to stop. He starts to take photos of them on the bed performing sexual acts. And Sai says she isn't doing it right. 
It's all pretend. Sai's in the bathroom now washing his face in his, in his hotel room. He lays in bed looking at the, the ceiling stoically. The detectives arrive and show the hotel worker Sai's photo, and they need a, pa- uh, a passkey right now. Sai sees the police have arrived. The two detectives enter Sai's hotel, and he's not there. Sai's attempting to escape, but police block an exit. He interrupts a conference as he tries to flee the building. The detectives find the knife and a camera left behind. An alarm goes off, and one detective chases after Sai, and another checks on room, 11, room 511. They find where the alarm triggered, and they run towards it. Sai is surrounded by the police. The detective finds Maya in the bathtub sitting and Will on the bed sitting. Sai tells them he only took pictures. Back to Nina's and the doorbell rings. It's Will and the detective. Jake hugs him and the, as the detective leaves. Back to the holding room and the detective and Sai talk. Sai asks him if he's a family man. He says he's a good man and a good husband who appreciates his good fortune. He's not the type to cheat or betray their trust. You never neglect or abuse your children. Sai begins to weep and says, you never take disgusting, degrading pictures of your children doing these things. You never treat them like animals. Will Yorkin had it all and threw it away. Detective nods his head and says, I think I understand and thanks him. Sai asks to see his pictures. They're the small things of the hotel. Hangers, shower curtain, etc. One, uh, one of Will or Maya, none of Will or Maya. Film ends with a picture of the Yorkin family with Sai in the picture. Very, I wrote very confusing end and end credits roll. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, I kind of respected the ending, though. I mean, you know, again, it's, it's not what I expected completely at all, um, but I did respect it. I mean, you got this build up, even with Cy fucking with Bill, you know, taking pictures of his kid, which, by the way, worst dad ever as well. I mean, who leaves their kid out in the yard like that? Jesus Christ, Lomberg. But, uh, but you got that build up like that and then this very tense sequence where you don't know what the fuck is going to happen. And I don't know. I guess I expected um, like a seven type ending or like a you know, Hannibal Lecter type ending where <clears throat> like even if he got caught, everyone involved was going to lose big time. You know, I, I expected him to torture to kill them. But but that's also part of what I liked here. You know, I didn't get what I expected. You know, I got something probably more apt to reality and and where you have this you know abuse victim who's extremely mentally ill and and it sets it it sets it up like he snapped and killed them but it turns out he didn't i mean but like i said that's the thing i respect about this movie it doesn't give you what you expected and doesn't really follow your rules and so uh especially this second rewatch i really enjoyed it for that a lot more um than trying to i guess not even guess the ending but expect like i said a seven type ending um also in the room you know i feel like he should have probably had a gun and not a knife uh to me that's just not it wasn't really threatening to me i mean he had a an old man i feel like will could have taken him with that knife easily but uh regardless robin williams i think played it phenomenally um, you really buy what he's selling here. And again, it makes it even deeper knowing what we know now that William struggled with in his own life as far as those, you know, inner demons that we talked about. And it is just an amazing performance here. And, and the last thing I wanted to say is the very first time I watched this, I thought that he only took pictures of the small things. But on this rewatch, I did catch that the detective at the beginning said that they had developed both sets of his pictures. So I assumed that one was the pornographic pictures and then the other was just the small things. Um, but you're right. It was a little bit confusing and definitely not something that I caught the uh, 
the first time. And even this time, I'm kind of just maybe building that up and being like, okay, well, maybe that's what he means. So I don't even know if that's what was intended, to be honest with you. Go ahead. Yeah, I like the ending. I think it's because it's a little ambiguous. You're not, I mean, you see the pictures of the little things, but you don't really know if he ever actually took any pictures of of Will and Maya. You have no idea. Uh, I know what you said at the beginning, but I mean, that could be both sets of the same role. Like, I, you really don't know. Um, you're probably more right than I am, but I mean, just we don't get to see those. And I think that kind of makes it even oh, just a little bit creepier to me, man. Um, anyway, I'm kind of bouncing around. I love the music in the scene where he's in the hotel and he's in that hotel room. It builds suspense and tension. It's creepy. The moment that Cy flips, God, it's so well done by Robin Williams. I mean, he just becomes an almost an absolutely different person than we've seen so far. It's the first time we hear him cuss, <laughs> which is, uh, again, I don't, I don't think he cusses the rest of the entire movie, but he does here. Um, he uses the, you got the picture line, which is a little too on the nose, but it made me kind of have a little ha-ha moment. Um, you know, I just want to say here now, my heart goes out to Nina, you know. I mean, being cheated on, size crazy, son isn't home. That's a lot. Please call me sometime. Just anytime you feel like talking. Just pick up the phone, holler at a brother. Okay, anyway. Um, some of the you know positions he's putting them in is is absolutely in, in, insane to me. Uh, but again, we don't even know if he ever actually took these pictures. And I think that almost makes it creepier that he put them through that psychological terror for no reason to, just to take a picture of the doorknob or whatever. Um, there's some really good shots here as he's being caught. You know, his the police light through the hand going up I think is really good. Um, that officer, when he takes Will back to his house, judges the fuck out of him <laughs> when he lets him go to his family. You can just see it the eyes. That is, that is a judgmental stare, and I understand it. Um, again, the reveal from Cy that he was abused mentally, physically, sexually, I, I, I think is, it's really well acted by Robin Williams. Again, I've lost my sympathy for this character of Cy. But I didn't. I haven't lost my empathy. I can feel for him. Obviously, he's been through some terrible things, and you know that's just devastating. It doesn't give him the right to do these other things. Um, but I think it's it's just you know he plays that mentally disturbed character so well. And I think at the very end when he's placing these pictures in a row, it's like the photo wall on his you know in his apartment. I'm not sure, but to, to me that must tie back to something in his childhood. Maybe that's how these sick and deranged pictures were arranged of him, you know, and that's just all he knows like that to me, there's gotta be some kind of loose tie there or strong tie even. And so I thought that was a, you know, kind of a nice touch to kind of keep that continuity. Um, and yeah, just, I really like the ending. It is a little confusing, but when you sit and think about it, I, I, I think the confusion kind of adds to the level of creepiness. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think it's a great ending as well. Um, first of all, that's a hell of a crocodile Dundee knife that he pulls out there. Um, the, yeah, it, it was kind of. Now this is a knife. <laughs> it was kind of ingenious how he ended up in the room. Like, holy shit. Call the front desk and say, I couldn't remember what room. Call the room and say, hey, your room service is on the way. Call room service and say, I canceled it. Like, that shit was awesome. Um, that was on the last set of scenes, sorry. So this is a, once he gets in the hotel room, this is a very demented and twisted sequence. Like, holy shit. You see this guy completely snap and come unhinged. Um, but I actually like the fact that he doesn't kill them. 
um, because it, it adds another level to it. You see that he is crazy and he is dangerous, but is he a killer? No, he's not. Um, it's just he's one of those stalkers. I mean, you read stories about stuff like this all the time. You look at um, uh, who who was the wrestler a couple years ago? Was it Mandy Rose? She had a stalker that was like basically this. He was stalking her online, looking at her photographs all the time, showed up at her house, and but didn't actually harm her. Um, you read stories like that all the time. But anyway. The backstory with the child exploitation, um, I really like that they added that level too because it really goes to show you how things that you repress from your childhood and the, these traumatic experiences that you can go through as a child can really push you over the edge as an adult. And uh, it's just a nice reminder to be a good fucking person and don't treat people like shit. Obviously, don't molest kids, but don't treat people like shit in general because it can cause them to snap down the road. Um, I like how it was filmed, how it was shot when they, they got to the room five seventeen um, or five eleven, whichever room it was. And you don't know because you're looking at the cop as he's entering the room. You don't know if they're alive. You don't know what's going on. He's calling the names, but then you get the revelation. She's, uh, in the bathtub just with the shower on because she's been violated and she feels dirty and she's sad and embarrassed. You see him on the bed. He knows that his life is coming undone because not only is he embarrassed because of the shit that he just had to do in front of uh, Cy, but he's also embarrassed because he knows that his wife's going to find this out and it's not going to end well for him. So it's just a lot of dr drama built into this set of scenes, and I think it's really well shot. Um, and I, another thing is I like how he didn't kill Will because him having to live with that guilt is going to kill him far worse. It's going gonna, it's gonna to eat at him the rest of his life. When he walks in the, the house and hugs his kid, like you just know how shitty he felt in that moment. Um, last thing, last thing I have on the ending was this is the rare case where I think they left left a lot of meat on the bone here. It all unraveled so quickly to me. Mm -hmm. um, an hour and thirty five minute runtime, and all the action basically happened in thirty minutes. Um, so, what I would have liked to have seen is maybe they draw off of Cape Fear a little bit, where if you've ever seen the movie Cape Fear with Robert De Niro, he's stalking this family, and it is drawn out. I mean, he is mentally fucking with this family and just terrorizing them. And it's ironic because there's a scene in this movie where Cy is watching The Simpsons, and the episode that is on the TV is called Cape Fear. It's from Season 5, Episode 2 from 1993, The Simpsons where Krusty the Cro or I'm sorry, Sideshow Bob gets out of prison and he's going to kill Bart Simpson. But anyway, Cape Fear, I think they could have used some of the elements in this. Make size unraveling a little bit more drawn out to where he's fucking with the family and the cops are trying to catch up with him, but they can't. And then he has the, the dramatic hotel scene. I don't know. It's just I wanted more because of how good this movie was. That's basically what I'm getting at. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. Uh, any more final thoughts before we jump into fun facts? We don't have any uh, fan questions tonight. All right, I just got a few of them. Uh, after the film, these are all from IMDb. After the film premiered at the Sundance Film Festival, Robin Williams overheard viewers say that they forgot it was Williams in the lead role 15 minutes into the film, an observation that made Williams proud. Robin Williams often played practical jokes in the middle of a take during the making of a film, 
According to producer Christine, was it Vachon Bacon? Williams burst out of a doorway completely nude during one take for a chase scene. Um, that's pretty interesting. In preparation for his role, Robin Williams trained for two and a half days at a photo developing training facility in Southern California on an AGFA MSC 101D photo developing machine. Uh, really appreciate that. And the last one I got is Robin Williams was originally cast as the Save Mart manager. Bill Owens, later played by Gary Cole, but after reading the screenplay for a second time, Williams requested the role of Seymour Parrish. That's the last uh, fun fact I got. Whoever's got some more, go ahead. I only have one. I'll go ahead and say it. Um, you know, originally I, I told you that uh, Robin Williams had uh, auditioned for the role of the Joker in the 99 Batman and uh, that eventually went to Jack Nicholson. And I also said that, you know, he was supposed to play the Riddler in the third Batman, but didn't. Well, the other fun fact is that Jack Nicholson was originally offered the role here of Seymour Parrish, but turned it down. So there's a lot of little twists and turns there. Yeah, he, uh, he apparently turned it down because he felt the character after reading the script was too similar to Jack Torrance from The Shining. And uh, it makes sense. And honestly, I'm glad that he turned it down. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Because yeah, God, too. Robin Williams, he killed this role. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. It's just I wanted to point out the fact that Michael Vartan or Vartan, how do, however you say his name, Will, the guy that played Will Yorkin, um, he was in Never Been Kissed with David Arquette. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, this movie was made on a budget of $12 million and grossed $52.2 million. So not a bad little a bad little time there for Robin Williams and them. I think that's, you know, well warranted. I'm glad this didn't get some like weird sequel or follow up or whatever. Just a nice little standalone thriller. I thought it was really well done. All righty. Y'all ready to jump into the, uh, the rating. I don't have a favorite kill and least favorite kill. Obviously. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, who wants to go first? Not anyone in particular, or I'll kick us off. Go ahead, Nico. Right, I'll go first. All right. Uh, I just wrote a little paragraph. I remember Mike bringing this up back when we did The Shining, so it made me want to watch it. Big fan of Robin Williams and like seeing him in this type of film. Uh, he was a genuinely creepy figure, and he did a great job. Really like the film. It's not great or groundbreaking to me, but definitely something I'll watch again. Uh, just like the ending, or just like The Shining, the end picture was a little confusing, but overall, I really like this movie. I gave it a 7.75. I'll go ahead and go, I guess. Um, the okay. I don't really have a, I don't really have a whole lot to say that I haven't already said. Um, I just wanted to point out that you know, like just for me personally, it's been a long time, honestly, since I've watched. And you know, he was such a big part of my childhood, but it's been a long time since I, as an adult, have watched a Robin Williams movie. And I just not that I forgot, but it just all those emotions of everything he's played in that I've watched just kind of came rushing back. Um, I really didn't realize until this watch how just damn good he was in this um and just that's definitely an actor that i'm gonna i'm gonna definitely miss um i actually gave this movie a 7.5 okay i'll go ahead and go um i think this movie is fantastic now honestly the biggest flaw to me is i wanted more uh and it's just because of how great the acting was i thought the writing was great the script the the dialogue was good the score was good. Cinematography was good. Um, I just I would have liked to have seen it with a lengthier runtime, which is something you very rarely will hear uh, from this show. Um, all things considered, 
this is a movie that I'm definitely going to watch again. Like I said, I used to watch it a lot. I just hadn't in a while. Um, but now it's going to be back in heavy rotation. I enjoy it so much. This is one of the highest scores I've ever given. I'm going to give it a 9.25. Woo. Okay. Wow. It's a doozy, baby. Let's do this. Um, yeah, I echo everyone's sentiments, man. I, I just think it's a really good little film. You know, it's only an hour and a half long. Um, it's an easy watch. And, it, it, you know, it's a standalone. It's not a part of some franchise. Uh, it has a very unique character from Robin Williams, something you don't normally get. I think that's part of the reason I love it so much is because it's not something that we would normally see. Um, he, you, you could tell he was all in on this character. He was all in on this role. And the, I think the script is good. I think the, the it's shot really well. The music is good. Cinema, like everything I think is it's just really, really good. Um, again, is it groundbreaking? No, but it is a damn good psychological thriller, uh, you know, which is horror adjacent. And so all that being said, look, obviously no kills. So I, I picked the movie. I love this movie. I gave it, I gave it an 8.75. I, I wanted to go nine, um, but I just couldn't get there with it. But 8.75 was my score. And I golly, man, for a, a movie that, I think is severely underrated. I think that's pretty damn good. Yeah. And we were, we were definitely higher than the uh, IMDb averages on this one. We composite average, a 8.3125 proving that they don't know shit. (laughs) I kind of wonder if that's just lack of people seeing it. Like, I feel like this should be a cult hit, you know, and I, I don't know, maybe it's not, but I feel like, Hey, if you've never seen this movie, Go watch this movie. It, it, it's it's really damn good, and it it ages well, even with that you know the even with the picture development plot. So what? I I think it ages really really well. They answer, you know, brick cell phones in the you know and like Scream Two or whatever. So what difference does it make? Just go see it. It's really good. Yeah, I mean, one hundred eighteen thousand people voted, and they got it at a six point eight. So um, you know, it's not disrespectful. It's you know, that's not bad. Yeah. That's a seven, basically. That's not bad. Yeah, yeah. It's better than that, though. IMDb, step your game up. Yeah, you know, haters mostly rate. So that's true. Uh, all right. Any more final thoughts on one hour photo before I announce my pick and shout out our monthly blood donors? No. The yeah. only thing I want to say is going into your next pick. You know, Dustin talked about how he wish he had more runtime, and uh, oh, here we fucking go. I think we're about to get that with the next movie. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, it was the exact same length as your Army of the Dead pick, brother. Uh, anywho. Cutting that out. <laughs> I'm sick of this. Uh, just kidding. Anywho, my next pick is... Uh, I haven't picked a movie in a long damn time. It's been since Wrong Turn since I picked a movie. That's been <laughs> many moons ago. Uh, yeah, now y'all making me watch 10 Hellraiser movies. I don't deserve this shit. Uh, anywho, my next pick is... <laughs> my next pick is uh, Midsummer. Uh, Let's go! I think this is a. Uh, I picked this movie most because it made me feel some type of way after watching it. I didn't really like it at first, but you know, a couple hours later, just reflecting on it, it just I just felt some type of way. Like after I did with The Shining, uh, after a few rewatches, I think I like this movie now. Uh, it's visually beautiful, but it's just so controversial in these horror Facebook groups I'm in. People either love it or hate it. So I'm ready for us to review this long movie. Uh, break it down, have a good discussion episode, and uh, I'm ready to uh, hear all three of you guys' thoughts because I think we're all going to have different opinions on it, and I'm excited about that. 
So I'm excited for it. I think it's just going to be a good, I think it's going to be a really good episode. I'm excited for it. Uh, before we end this, just going to shout out our monthly reoccurring blood donors, our camp level, uh, Clayton J, um, Nina, and uh, co-host, Brian Hathaway. <laughs> you didn't have to say mine. <laughs> you can cut it. <laughs> uh, our camp counselors are Hunter Nelson and Miss Karen. Thank you for uh, for your donations. We really appreciate it. Uh, it means a lot that you all you know, help us financially pay for this podcast. By now, you've heard about our Patreon-esque tier donation program, you know, to help with things like web hosting, podcast hosting, and just basically keeping the lights on called Blood Donors. And by God, you want to help. Well, let me tell you more. We have different donation levels with tons of different perks from, you know, autographed picture and on-air shout-out to picking a movie and joining us for an episode. Well, joining some of us, if you pick Jason X, I'm calling in sick that day. Um, you know, and we and we know that we could never repay your generosity, and we have some of the best fans in the world. But if you'd like to go ahead and donate, even just five dollars, please go to don'tgooutthere.com, click donate. Um, disclaimer: We are referring to donating money and not actual blood, uh, which makes this next part super awkward. But oh yes, there will be blood. But that's a figure of speech, not real blood, you animals. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, I just want to say I enjoyed the episode, fellas. It's probably time for us to all go to bed so we don't get insomnia, and that way we have a lot of awakenings in the morning. All right, see you guys. What is this? What is this show turned into? <laughs> <laughs> all right, Brian, end the episode. Y'all have a good one. Love you. Appreciate it. Just want to remind everybody. Uh-huh.